Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. It's a good morning to be at church. Amen. Hey, if I don't know you, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm pumped that you are here on Impact Sunday. Did you know it was Impact Sunday? You do now. You do now. We heard about the incredible impact trip our college students went on, and we want you to know that there is an opportunity for every person in this room to be a part of our summer impact trips. And you can find out more about that after the service, because you got one of these rad-looking postcards when you came in, if you got one of those Connect cards. And what these are is they have our, our three different impact trips that we're taking this year on there. There's opportunities for you to go. There's opportunities for you to give. And there's opportunities for you to pray. So I want to encourage you after the service today to go to one of those tables and find out more about these trips. College students, there's another impact trip for you. Guatemala is going to be your opportunity. You can go to Southeast Asia. If you've got kids and you want to learn what it looks like for them to do mission with you, come with us to Tijuana. It's going to be an incredible time. It's open to all ages, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. You can even grab a passport application today. We're thinking for you. We're thinking for you. Well, if I haven't met you yet, I want to tell you a little bit about me. Like I said, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I've been married to Christy for just about 15 years almost. We've got four kids None of which are here right now because it's spring break and we sent them to grandma and grandpa's. And that's right. It's been awesome. They'll come back maybe today. We'll see. But we've got these four incredible kids. We are really grateful for them. 13, 12, 9, and 5. Three boys and a girl, and we have a lot of fun at our house. We've been a part of Antioch for about 18 years now. We've served in different capacities across different Antioch churches around the U.S., and we are thrilled that for the last year and for many, many years to come, we get to serve J.D. and Liz, and we get to be a part of what God's building here. It is truly an honor to be led by them. They are phenomenal leaders, and I've said it before, but I have never felt more believed in by any other leaders than I have these people, these two. They believe in people better than anyone I've ever met, and we're so grateful to get to serve you guys. So do me a favor, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, if you are new to church, maybe new to the Bible, Luke is in the second half of the Bible. It's what's called the New Testament. It's one of four books that are called the Gospels. Maybe you've heard that term. If you're new to church, you're new to the Bible. The Gospels are four books of the Bible that are written about the life of Jesus. It talks about what he said, the miracles that he did, and instructs our life. And this one's written by a guy I like to call Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke was a medical professional and a historian, and he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, and they're super cool. You should read them. And so we're going to dive into Luke chapter 9. We're going to read the first six verses. If you don't have a Bible, the, the words are going to be up on the screen. You can follow along there. And if you need a Bible, come see me. We'll get you one after the service. We've got them in English and in Spanish to help you out. All right? So Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Here we go. 
When Jesus had called the 12 together, the 12 were his closest followers. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If, you do, if the people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Let's pray for a moment. God, we thank you for the moments that we get to have together, that we get to gather around your word. And we believe that today we're going to be changed because your word is alive and active and it changes us. And so God, we ask that today that it would impact us in a way that we leave different than when we came in. That you would do something in our souls that will never be the same. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, once my wife, Christy, sent me to the grocery store. Once. You know, husbands, you probably understand what I'm talking about. You get this text right about the end of work that says, hey, can you run by the store on your way home? And I've gotten this text a few dozen times. And usually it's accompanied with a list of what I'm supposed to get. But this time, it had been a long day. And so there was no list. It just said, can you just go to the store and get dinner? So I did. I went to the store and I got dinner. And when I got there, I was inspired. I was walking through those middle aisles where all the good stuff is. The prepackaged stuff, cornflakes with sugar all over them. Mm. And I got inspired. Nostalgia crept up on me. Not nostalgia from a childhood, but nostalgia from freshman year of college. <laughs> and you know I filled that cart with all the goodies that I could get my hands on. And I walked home. And I walked in and Christy looked at me as I unpacked those bags in utter disbelief. And she literally said the phrase to me, what am I supposed to do with this? I didn't have an answer. So we loaded up the kids and we went out to eat. See, I'm now allowed to go to the store again. I just have to have a list. I got to have a list. She sent me last night to the store. These are the four things you're getting. And I got them. I did good. 15 years of correction and list have helped me learn what to do when I get there. I even have a mantra now as I walk in the store. It goes like this. Get only what she needs and stick to the perimeter. The perimeter, if you don't know, you're about to learn something. The perimeter of the grocery store is where all the fresh stuff is. Meat, cheese, veg, fruit. That's where I'm allowed to go. I'm not allowed in the middle sections. The middle section is where Chris put on the freshman 50. True story. Yeah. Beat that. Have you ever heard that saying? That those who fail to plan, plan to fail? It's true. I know. I've done it. 
I've experienced it at the grocery store. But what really what that phrase tells us is that intentionality matters. Did you know that you have a legacy? And it's going to be written by someone. Is it going to be written by you? Are you going to co-author your legacy with God? Or are you going to let it be written for you? See, I say co-author because there's going to be things that come your way that you have no control over. And God's going to give you the grace to navigate them. But did you know that you have God-given control over different aspects of your life? That if you intentionally pursue what he has put in your heart, that you can co-author a legacy that will impact generations. See, I know that you have a desire to make an impact. I know that because you have desires. And desires are indicators of the impact that we want to leave. When I was a kid, my desire was to be a professional baseball player. By the time I got to high school, I realized that desire ain't going to happen. I was slow, couldn't hit, and was mediocre on my teams. So my desires had to shift. Because my desires had to shift to something that I could actually bring. I couldn't bring trophies and record-breaking stats to my legacy in baseball. It just wasn't in me. But I had something I could bring. See, I can only give what I have. If I try to give what I don't have, I give nothing. So I can give what I have. Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have? Look again at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to what? To drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them something. What has he given you? He's given you something. He gave them something. He's given you something. You have something to give. Do you know what you have to give? Do you know what God's given you? See, when we know what God has given us, we know the type of impact that we can have. We know what we can do. We know what we can give away to people. See, each one of us is given skills, talents, and gifts from God. You have talents within you. These are the innate things that you were born with. Some of the things that you just happen to naturally do. And you can't always explain how you do what you do. Did you know that everybody's intuitive? We're just not all intuitive about the same thing. What comes naturally to me does not always come naturally to you. You have these talents within you. You have skills that you develop. Often you learn them throughout life. You develop these skills. In college, you guys are learning incredible skills. You're learning how to do things. These skills are within you. And you have gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Different things that, are, that God has deposited within you that come upon you to help you be who God's made you to be. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about some of those gifts. Gifts of prophecy and discernment. Romans 12 talks about some other ones. Gifts of uh, of teaching, of generosity, of serving. These skills, talents, and gifts, when they come together, they help us see the unique impact that we can have. That's why self-discovery 
is not a luxury, it's a necessity. You need to know what you have. Otherwise, you are going to spin your wills and maybe try to make an impact that you were never made to have. I love to worship. I love it. But I am not a worship leader. I don't play any instruments at all. I once bought a djembe. That's a drum. I gave it away two months later. I'm never going to be in Hillsong United. I might grow a better beard. But I'm never going to be in it. But if I make that my desire and go for that impact, I'm going to swing and miss. Because that's not what the skills, talents, and gifts God put within me. I've got to zero in and say, God, what have you given me? You gave them power and authority to drive out demons, cure diseases, proclaim the gospel, heal all the sick. What have you given me? What have you put within me? What do I bring to the table? Because you bring something. And it'll grow and change over time too. As you grow and change over time, your gifts will get more clear. Sometimes they'll even shift, like my, my baseball story. I don't want to be a baseball player anymore. I actually played a baseball, yesterday, baseball game yesterday with a bunch of other old men, and I am in pain today. I don't want to do that all the time. But I do want to do this. I do want to build the church. I do want to bring what I have. I do want to bring it. What do you have to bring? What do you have to bring? Bring what you have because you have an impact to make. See, if we keep reading in verses 3 through 5, not only did they have something to give, but there was a way in which they were to give it. See, being intentional with your impact means you not only understand that I have something to give, but I also understand there's ways in which for me to give this. I need to be clear about how I give this. What Jesus says in verses 3 through 5 is really interesting. It says, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, Leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now, there's a ton we can learn from these verses. But I'm going to go scholarly for a moment. So, so let's dig into this. The Bible, everything it has is useful, and it's also the Bible is alive. Okay? Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Woo! 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We know that the Bible is alive and the Bible is useful. And when we read the Bible, when we read passages like Luke 9, we also need to understand that there's a way in which we read the Bible that helps us know what to do with it. See, there are passages that are descriptive 
meaning they tell us what happened. And there are passages that are prescriptive, that mean tell us what we should do with something. There are different ones, and knowing how to interpret them actually knows how we can apply that scripture. This is just helpful for us to know how to do. This passage, 3 through 5, it is not a prescriptive passage. Meaning, every time you go, God is not saying to you, hey, don't take your staff, don't take your bag, don't take your bread, don't take your money, don't take your extra clothes, because I don't even carry a staff. Some of you don't bring money anywhere, which is why you get free lunches. No, this is not a prescriptive passage. It's a descriptive passage. It's telling us what happened, which means we need to ask, why did we need to know this? I believe we need to know this because Jesus was actually telling them, hey guys, I've given you power and authority to go do these things. Now, as you go, do it like this because here's why. The why behind this is that Jesus understood what he was sending them out to do. Why? Because he had been doing it. Jesus had been given power and authority to heal diseases, proclaim the good news, set people free. And everywhere he went, town by town, as he did that, people said, I want you to stay. I want to make you a king. But Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. My message is not to, to set up shop and to be made king here on earth. My message is to go from town to town, proclaiming the gospel, setting people free so that the message can get out to as many people as possible. So disciples, when you go, understand what's going to happen. People are going to try to glorify you, but you're there to glorify God. So just keep going. When you go, if you run into people that don't want the message, keep moving on because you're called to hungry people. He was giving them parameters for how to stay focused because when we don't stay focused, what happens is we get into autopilot mode. We just start cruising through life and we start realizing, man, it's been six months. It's been nine months. It's been two years. And what have I done with them? Because I just started cruising. It's like when you drive home and you don't realize that you just drove home, but you got home. And you're like, how did I get here? We do that all the time in life. And staying off of autopilot means we understand what we've been given and how we're supposed to give it. It requires incredible intentionality. It requires us to lean into the heart of God and say, God, what have you given me? What do I bring? And how do I bring it in this season? Because how you bring it will change. It'll shift. But God's put something in you to bring. And when you choose to bring it, the impact is always more than you could ever imagine. See, when the disciples brought what they had, it's incredible what it said they did. It says in verse 6, So they set out and went village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The impact of that was that people like King Herod heard about what they did and was so amazed by what he heard that he was like, I got to go meet those people. I've got to go figure out who those people are. Guys, I promise you, if you will bring what you have, 
and say, God, how am I supposed to bring it? And every season, God will do more with it than you ever imagined he could. That's his promise to us. So we're not supposed to dream small dreams. No small dreams allowed here. Dream bigger. Because God's promise to us is that he will do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever ask, imagine, or even think. So how big are you thinking? How big of an impact do you believe God can make through you? How big can those desires go? I think they should go a little bigger. Because we weren't just made to have a small impact. We were made to have a massive impact. You were made to have an incredible impact. And it doesn't matter if you would say, my desire is never to be known and famous. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe your desire, one of my greatest desires is that my kids would grow up to impact billions of people. I, I pray that I would walk into a room one day and be known as Gavin's dad. And that's it. So that means my impact needs to be really intentional on how I invest in them. That means I can't just hope that that happens. I've got to go, no, they were made to shape the world. I need to make sure I shape them. I need to make sure I invest everything that I have. I need to think through what we're going to talk about. I need to think through where I'm setting their direction. I need to think through what struggles they're facing and how I'm going to help them. Some of you are called to generosity. You need to think through how you're going to grow in that generosity. It won't just happen someday. Your someday is today. And if you want to step into the impact that God's created you to have, you step into it today, not someday. So make a choice. You know, we get caught up in church. You know, we sometimes hear the idea of making a plan and we're like, whoa, 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 hold on. God, God's got the plan. And I'm like, yeah. Sometimes God's plan is the plan that he helped you create. You set a goal and you go for it. God's not against goals. God's for them. It helps you actually get to where he wants you to go. Otherwise, we just hope and wish. And that's not how we're going to get there. The impact God actually wants you to make has to be invested in. It's got to be intentional. You've got to say, okay, God, you've put this in me. You've put a desire in me to equip others. Okay, so I'm going to study people who know how to teach and preach really well. And I'm going to learn what they do. And then I'm going to stand in my bathroom and I'm going to preach to the mirror till I get better at it. God, You've called me to be generous. All right, I may not have much today. I may only feel like I got two nickels to rub together, but I'm going to give one of them away and see if you'll increase what you've given me. I'm not going to wait till the day that I got more. I'm going to give what I've got today. Because that's how we grow into more. That's the intentional investment. I once heard about a guy who said, I feel like God's called me to influence political leaders. So what he did is he went and started to learn golf. He said, because the way I'm going to get in front of them is if I get in their arena. He's like, I still don't like golf, but I play it every week. Because I know what God's called me to. And what God's called me to is to invest in these kind of people. And that's where they're going to be. So I intentionally set my focus on that. 
So you're called to make an impact. You're called to make a unique individual contribution. You're called to make a global contribution. Jesus said that we will make disciples of all nations. That wasn't just for one person. That's for all of us. You were called to have an impact on nations. You were called to have an impact on people who speak different languages from you, who come from different backgrounds than you. You were called to have that kind of impact. So be intentional about it. Step into an opportunity. You know, I believe that this summer, we're all going on impact trips. Some of us are going to go physically. Some of us are going to give. We can all take one of these cards and pray. But as a church, we're all going to go make an impact. See, because we can make an individual contribution, but we're not just called to be individuals. We're called to be a part of a family. And so when we say, God, this is what you've called me to do, and this is who you've called me to do it with, I'm going to go do it with my family. I'm going to go invest in the people that you've called me to walk with. And so if we're going to Tijuana, then I'm praying for Tijuana. If, if we're going to Southeast Asia, then I'm giving to Southeast Asia. If we're going to Guatemala, then I'm going to Guatemala. I'll figure it out. But this is what my family's doing. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to take what God's given me. And I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it in the world that God's called me to influence. And I'm going to bring it in the family he's called me to do this life with. So I'm just going to bring what I have in every arena that I got. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet with me?